especially in the creative fields right now, everyone's a creative director, everyone's a photographer, everyone's a filmmaker. Um, yes, they are. But at, at, at a level that a brand like Nike needs, you, you definitely are going to have to bring something else to the table. Eric Riss, thank you for coming on the There Is No Finish Line podcast. <laughs> no, I'm thank stoked. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm super. Uh, uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really stoked to be here. So, Well, you're, you're definitely uh, not just a good friend, but, you know, someone on our list for sure. Like we've always said, like everybody we have or we speak with is, is there's a purpose and reason for everything we do. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of let, uh, you know, Jesse take lead on this one today. But, you know, we usually ask all our guests, um, you know, give us a, a quick synopsis of, of your history of, of, you know, uh, where you went to school, um, how you just decided to choose the, the, you know, profession that you're in today and, and how you got into Nike and we'll kind of go from there. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, my, my profession chose me, <laughs> uh, but that, you know, it, that's an interesting story in of itself. Um, it, it, but going way back, um, school for me was at University of Maryland in Baltimore. Um, so East Coast, East Coast boy, um, grew up, was born in New York, grew up on the East Coast, actually grew up on a farm in Maryland, um, just out of sight of DC, uh, for most of my life. And then Bounced around, um, you know, after college, bounced around the East Coast a lot. Uh, Boston, um, you know, Baltimore, D.C., New York. And um, my first real gig, my real, you know, like official job, I would say, would be at Kodak. Um, so I landed a job at Kodak and um, their digital lab at the time. Um, worked there for about five years. Uh, it's, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> uh, then got a gig up in, um, uh, Boston, uh, as a, as a designer for about three years, getting kind of tired of the East coast and I wanted to explore and the, the West coast is very appealing. And at the time, um, San Francisco seemed like the hot place to be, but it was also the hot place to be. <laughs> so it was very expensive. Dot com boom, all that. Um, and Portland was always on the radar um, for me because when I was a kid, um, and my mom bought me Nikes on the—I I can't remember—it was on the back of the Nike box or on the in the inside of the box. There was a little hand-drawn map of the U.S. and it had like a—it looked like someone drew it with a sharpie and it had a swoosh on it. And I'm like, "Where is Oregon? Like, what is what's going on there?" When I was a kid, and I was really into maps. So anyway, I looked. I looked, I looked up maps and I saw the, the map of Oregon and there's all these tiny little pine trees uh, representing state parks. I'm like, this is amazing. There's trees everywhere. And so for, for some reason, ever since I was a kid, I, I, I kind of knew in a weird way that I'd wind up in Oregon. Um, so I just packed, my, packed, packed everything up, did the whole, you know, the road trip across the U.S. with a U-Haul. Um, didn't have a job lined up. Didn't know anyone in Portland. Um, and moved on. I remember it was July 4th, 2001 and pulled up into, you know, Northeast Portland 
um, and wanted to unload that van as quickly as possible and get settled in. Um, and then from there, you know, I explored a little bit in, in, um, in Oregon and in Washington and Pacific Northwest. Wasn't really in a rush to get a job. Uh, and then eventually I realized that, that was a pretty stupid thing. <laughs> Probably need a job. Um, and wound up um, uh, freelancing or contracting at Nike. Um, that's how that that's kind of my loose winding road to, to, to Nike. So can I go back to, um, Maryland? So like, um, what were you studying in college that kind of led you into graphic design and digital, um, art? Yeah. Uh, so I, typical college or first year college student didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, just doing the, 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 the basic prerequisite courses. But immediately the first year, I met a lot of people that were very talented or had um, aspirations with like-minded um, ideas, which happened to be creativity, right? Wh- whether it was music or um, art or film or um, any other type of medium. So I, I got in this circle and I made some really good friends and I realized that this is where I belong and um, immediately thought creative writing was the, was the way for me. So I explored creative writing, um, a little bit of journalism, and, and I had a really, uh, a really hard professor for journalism who, who as one of our, like I think the first week in the class, she took us down to um, the Baltimore Sun at the time. She's like, this is, this is what your life's going to be like for the rest of your life. And she was like, you know, she, she might as well had a cigarette out of her, uh, in her mouth, like, <laughs> and the glasses at the end of her nose. So she, she takes, she, she takes the whole class into this, like, I guess the newsroom essentially. And there's, there's like people are throwing things and yelling and cussing and smoke and like all this stuff. And I'm like, no way. No, thanks. She's like, you'll be here every single night until midnight. Oh, so all of you that can't handle it, get out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm cool. I'm good. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, journalism, scratch that off the list. But anyway, like at, at the time when, when I was exploring that, like I said, a lot of my friends were either um, aspiring filmmakers, um, musicians, um, artists, painters, uh, printmakers, all those. So I just got into that circle and I'm like, this is, this is totally where I belong. Um, and uh, a few of those friends today are still doing, some of them are doing fine art, you know, they're making a living doing fine art. Um, and I realized that I probably not good enough to make money doing fine art. <laughs> so what's the next best thing? Okay, let's look at graphic design. And at the time it was applied art. They called it applied art. So, and they still do at some schools, but um, it was really an emphasis on graphic design, but more holistic on any type of, you know, creation of 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 you know visuals and sound and things like that so then i fell into applied art that's 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 kind of how i thought fell into it and um graphic design happened to be something that you know i i just um i i connected with immediately and 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 how graphic design also connects with sound and i look at sound the same way when i listen to music i look at when I listen to it, I'm thinking of shapes I'm, I'm, and layers. I'm not necessarily thinking about, you know, um, harmonics and things like that. So I have a different kind of 
point of view on it. But all that stuff makes all it makes sense to me. Is what I guess what I'm trying to say. It's awesome. Like when you moved to Portland, um, and you said, you know, I gotta start looking for a gig. Um, you know, and, and then you said you got a contracted job with Nike. Um, and not too many people know majority at the time when we were all there, I think it was like what 80%, maybe even higher that most people started as contractors that became full time. Um, could you tell us a little bit of how that kind of opportunity came? What did you go to an agency or was it just kind of on your lap, a friend giving you an opportunity? I mean, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, for me, I went through Aquent at the time, um, which was a creative placement agency, um, and I, you know, I had a very, I would say very thin portfolio as well. So I don't, I didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted to do, but you know, through an agency, they can help you and guide you. And that's kind of what they did. So they actually thought I would be a good fit in the photo, um, what they called at the time, they called it DPI, which was digital product imaging, which was a photo studio that's really just specialized in product photography only um, and their their core business or core um, support was focusing on footwear so they had a direct line to the footwear teams um, and I think what really got me into that was my experience working at Kodak um, and working in digital photography um, that, that helped me a lot and I remember distinctly like the interview uh, that, that they said to me Okay, so we know you're a designer, but if we hire you to be a contractor, do not go for design jobs. We need you to do this job, which was a photo producer at the time in the studio. And I was like, okay, that's that's fine. I'm here to I'm, I'm here to get paid just like anybody else. That's fine. But I'm at I'm at Nike, and I, I did that for three months, and I got so much exposure in that three months. Um, of what Nike really was about and the people and what was going on. Um, and, and, uh, they, they offered me a full-time position, which, which I was, which, which is kind of rare and that, that, that happened that fast. And I knew it was rare, but I didn't necessarily know if I wanted it because if it's, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound ungrateful, but to me, one of the reasons I moved out to the West Coast was to get away from kind of the rat race of the East Coast and all the, the kind of craziness. What I realized is that Nike had a certain culture and the people had a certain type of like vibrant optimism, at least in our group. And that was so appealing to me. Um, so I didn't really necessarily, so I was battling this idea of like going from a contractor to a, cause I wanted the freedom to be like, ah, I, don't, I, I want to freelance. And I took it and it was the, that was the best, best thing of probably one of the best things in my entire life that I've ever done. I, I took the job and it, I remember people, pe people were like, why are you hemming and hawing? Just do it. You know, just, just get in there and, and, and see what happens. And um, it, yeah, so I, I, I got in there and then I, Within like two months, I realized that I could be my authentic self here. This is, I belong here, which was crazy. Like, I, it just blew my mind. It's like that feeling awesome. when you, when you go to a university, like from out of town and, and, and you're, you're, you're nervous and you're in a new place 
but immediately you 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 you're magnetized to certain types of people and you're like i belong here you know i i belong in this with these people and that's that's how i felt um which is something i never felt in a, in a in a in a career or or a job or any type of you know um yeah like any type of like meaningful way at that point so uh, i really enjoyed that and i still <clears throat> i still I still hold that close to my heart, you know. Um, so, like, obviously there's, you were hemming and hawing. I, I'm just sort of going to infer a little bit because it was a producer role versus yeah. the sort of design role that maybe you were thinking about maybe in the back of your mind or, you know, leveraging potentially, you know, your education in a way. Was it, as you started to get into it, um, when you started the contractor role, did you see there being corollaries or parallels between what you had studied from a design perspective and what you were executing as a producer? Or how did you kind of like resolve that with yourself if that was potentially a conflict? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it wasn't a conflict at first because it, uh, my, my specific role was a photo producer in the photo studio, right? However, it gave me, to your point, it gave me exposure into all the other things that were happening at Nike. And at the time, the studio was trying to support, um, or they were, they were making a case for supporting brand design, which essentially is supporting brand marketing. In the sense of, can we do more brand work in the studio? Could, could we have athletes come through the studio? So I was lucky enough that my... I guess my skills or my interests or my curiosity put me in a place where when that moment, when they, when, when the, you know, when, the, when leadership decided, okay, we're going to have brand design work come through, not just footwear. They're like, I've got a, I've got a guy, I've got a person who, who's going to connect to that instantly. And I, I was, I remember the day there were like hints about brand design coming in to work. And I would be the liaise working with brand design. And I remember it because I was so excited. And I had a, I had a flip, phone, flip phone and I texted at the time my partner. I said, hey, guess what? I'm going to be traveling a lot. <laughs> and I'm going to be, you know, I was just so excited about this idea of, of working with brand design and, and um, collaborating with marketing and all the different functions and how that all kind of blew up. So if I was a, in no disrespect to photo producers, like they're amazing, really good ones are really good. Um, but it just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a path for me. For, you know, it wasn't a path that I thought like, oh, that's what I do for us. But, you know, I'm going to take this moment and I'm going to, I'm going to roll with it because I'm going to be around um, some greatness, to be honest with you. Um, and it didn't have, yeah. it, was, it wasn't solely based on like, oh, I'm going to get to travel. That was just kind of like my, you know my kind of like inner kid coming out, but it was really like, yeah. okay, okay. I get to be around design even more. So I get to be involved with it. Well, let's be real. That was my first thought too. First thought too. When I first joined, like I was like, Oh, dope. We're going to be traveling. Where are we going? So, <laughs> um, you know, when, when you have those opportunities and you're given the fact that, you know, you're, you're traveling, meeting athletes and being able to kind of, you know, curate the creativity of, of having that freedom. Um, could you tell us a little bit about like 
you know, you mentioned the culture. Can you talk about a little bit about the culture a little bit more? Uh, I think a lot of people think, you know, Nike is all about sneaker talk and so forth, but there's so much more to it. And, and would love to hear your experience about the culture within Nike. Uh, yeah, from, from my perspective, well, first of all, you have, um, uh, you have a cachet, right? You have working at Nike and then speaking to anybody outside of Nike Everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people that you talk to on the outside, and I'm not talking about Portland, I'm talking worldwide, they're very interested to know more about what you do and, and how you can partner. Um, yes, there's the business side of that too, but you, you, you immediately, when you walk into a room, you, 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 com- you command this weird authority, which was bizarre to me. Um, that being said, like internally, the the culture, um, for for me personally, was kind of a loose curiosity. Um, I don't know how to, how to explain that, but like freedom. It it was a, a very free time period for me in the sense that, um, for example, you know, the, on my lunch breaks, I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily have lunch. I would go to the design library. And I would sit in this library and try to read books and magazines that they were curated from all over the world. And so for me, they were giving me this playground. For me, there was a culture of like this whole entire playground, aside from the physical, you know, beautiful buildings and the spaces that are designed. There's also these little pockets of, of, of exploration that you could have. And, and sometimes that's with people as well. Right. So, Sometimes you latch on to someone, you're like, I want to know more about what they do or their background or, um, you know, um, you know, just more about what they do and, and, and who those people are. You can do that there. And people are open to that. And, I, and, and it, it's not necessarily a tangible thing. For me, it felt like it's, it's, there's this kind of weird magic that you, you, you get on campus and you can, you can do what am I going to do today? Yeah, you've got your list mm-hmm. of things and you've got your your schedule, but that kind of loose freedom to kind of either either you're going to really mess it up or you're going to do great things is kind of like that that tension between those two things was a really a, a very appealing thing as far as culture goes. Um, and in, in, in if you, and I felt I felt if you really wanted it, like really really wanted it, you could have it, whatever that may be. Um, and that was, that, that was something that kept me there, you know, for 10, 10, 10 years, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if this is exactly the same sort of, um, um, I guess, outcome from that type of culture, but just this, the very entrepreneurial spirit of the company and of the teams and the categories and the people. And so I think to your point, it's like, you know, you can get after it. If you, there's a certain thing that you want to do or you want to try this or you want to try that, like there was really not a lot of barriers to that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, can you talk about just in terms of your career tra- trajectory, like how that may have manifested for you personally? Yeah, I, again, I, I, I think I'm really, I'm, I'm privileged and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, you know, to, to have the experiences I had there. Um, but it wasn't without some thought, right. And some, and some kind of, let's say design or engineering to, to get where I wanted to be. Um, 
I'm not a, I'm not necessarily a good networker. However, I know what I want to be famous for. So, so, so for me, um, as soon as I had that opportunity or thought there was an opportunity to your point, Jesse, about that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, like I can maybe go for this. It might be crazy. It might be super lofty. Um, I, I, I said it, I set out and I put a post-it on my monitor that said, I want to be the expert for, for all things globally, for photography, for the entire company brand. Anyone can come to me anytime and I can have a conversation about photography, design, whatever, but more so in the photography realm. Um, and it was a three-year plan for me. I was like, in three years, I want to be that. Not one year, not two years. No one told me that. Um, and I've never experienced that before in, in, in anything, school, um, work, life, that I could do that, that you can like write. And then, yes, there was work that went into making that happen. However, I would have never thought that was possible if it didn't have that culture around me, that entrepreneurial culture, as you, as you said. And, and then having the freedom, you know, some, some, some of the managers I've had in the past um, allowed that freedom to happen. Um, and fostered that. Um, and then, you know, I, I guess the, the kind of not reward of that, but just the, the validation of that is in, in the work you do, right? So the work you're outputting, but then also the, more importantly, the relationships that you build either internally with people and then obviously externally too. That was very important to me is that we, I, I never wanted to be perceived as a, a bully like a big corporate bully or Nike, you know, the puller. I always wanted to respect the artists and people that we worked with on the outside as well, wherever city or town we were in. Um, and I, I still carry that today, but Nike allowed me to do that myself. No one, there was no handbook that said, you need to do this. You need to do that. Um, so that was, that was a, that was a big part of um, working through, what I wanted to do and how I wanted to be where I am today. Um, and, 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 and that company, I feel that company as a whole, not one individual person, um, let that happen for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Uh, I think one, the creative freedom, the entrepreneurial spirit, and then two, kind of like the support. And we usually, we really, in our podcast, we talk about leadership and how important it is. Um, and would love your um, perspective on the experiences that you had, because it sounds like you just mentioned that you had some great managers for, for that supported you in what you'd like to do. Um, how important was it for you to have great leadership within the company, but as well as even not specifically directly to your manager, but you also looked up to other leaders or thought leaders within the company and gained that perspective. Yeah, um, I, uh, that's, a, that's another good point. I, a lot of my, a, a lot of mentorship for me happened tangentially from um, the work that I was doing or the partnerships that I had. <clears throat> um, so I think... For me, uh, <clears throat> the manner, you know, as far as leadership goes, I, I'm very, I'm very curious with any type of um, person I meet, regardless of who you are, where you're from. Um, and there was always nuances of really int interesting, introspective things that would come out of meeting with 
or talking to managers. But then also with working on a specific project, the person, you don't necessarily report to them, but I always felt like, hey, they, they're, they're held in high regard. Um, <clears throat> they're doing some cool things. I want to learn from that. So I, I pulled from a lot of different sources to help guide me. Um, because in my particular role, sometimes you'd fly under the radar. Um, sometimes you, you, you wouldn't. Um, so for me, the, the management style that I received was very different. And I would seek it. I would seek it out. I would seek out help or, um, you know, uh, insights from people maybe not directly managing me. Um, that was super helpful. And then you can see things from a different perspective. I, I also had the luxury <clears throat> being in the position I was in where I could work across every single brand category in some respect. So I got to see, because within each brand category at the time, there's a very different culture, very different culture in women's versus basketball versus, you know. So I got to see all of that. And I could see, I had an advantage because I get to see things that don't really work very well. And I could see I could see things about to crumble before they crumble, <laughs> but I at some point I had I felt like I had the authority to kind of raise my hand and say we're going in the wrong direction here, and I wouldn't say this category did the same thing three months ago, but I had that in my head. So there's like leadership that I pull from different sources to to kind of give me the guidance, and I would seek it out to be quite honest. A, a lot of the leader and I would just ask questions. Um, I didn't, I don't have a traditional, like, uh, you know, working in marketing or another category or another function may, um, you know, th there's definitely probably more of a pathway of leadership and mentorship, but I, I didn't necessarily have that. I just had really trusting managers that were available when I needed them. And then. Um, at, at the same time, I, I was able to speak to others and bring others in to have those conversations about whatever, you know, and, and gain inspiration or give inspiration back and forth on those things. So, yeah, it's a, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I haven't, because I, I, I don't, I don't, I think every single manager I've ever had has, has gained, has, has given me, um, has given me insights for sure to, to, to be better at what I do, whatever that may mean. I don't know the specifics of that. It's, it's a lot of different spices in the pot to make that, that really good tasting chili, you know, like, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's this theme that I kind of feel that comes through a lot of the conversations with people who have been at Nike from the beginning of the company to people who came in like in the 2000s like we did, which is, again, this very entrepreneurial spirit, right? And it's like when the company first started, you just had a bunch of people who didn't really know exactly what they were doing, just doing it. Uh, no pun intended, and it just kind of continued to do that. So, like when you're talking about starting at the company in like 2000, 2001, and like this internal photo studio that hadn't quite got connected with brand design, so there wasn't like an internal photo studio resource, you know, um, and the production of those um, shoots with athletes and stuff was kind of in its infancy at that time. And I feel like some of the freedom that you were experiencing was because none of it had really been done before. And you kind of just stood up and said, well, we can do this. 
And there are opportunities that came to the fore, like when you um, partnered with Julia Garashi on the Annie Leibovitz stuff. I mean, I think at that point, it was like, can we do this? Why not? And so there's this freedom that's born out of being in a company like Nike, where, you know, from a resources standpoint, you can do that kind of stuff. But it's just bonkers to me that, you know, like it was all kind of being made up as it was happening. I mean, is that accurate? Yeah, that's that's accurate. And that that's someone that I would call out right away is Julie Garashi for sure. Um, uh, I, I distinctly remember those times. Aside from Annie Lubitz, right, like being able to work with her was this notion of, I remember it was like 8 p.m. on a Friday night and Jerry Rice in the third floor and I walk up. She's on the third floor, fourth floor. I can't remember it, but I would come up from my desk and I knew she was still there. She's always there. And I would, I would sit in their office. And I'm like, we, we, we can do better here. And for me, like, you know, working with women's Brian is a career, like a career highlight at Nike for sure. Like just the, the whole brand and how, or the whole category and how they, the, there was a really strong, um, what's the word I want to say it, it was a very strong movement internally to, to, to push it to somewhere that it needed to be. Um, and she was a big part of that. So John, to your question, like she, she was one of those like, you know, uh, surrogate mentors or managers that I had. Right. And so being going up into her office and having a conversation about like, Hey, can we, you know, we, like to your point, Jesse, like, can we do this? She's like, yeah, well, can we do this? And she was questioning me. I was questioning her and I, we were going back and forth. And I mean, it was many, many phone calls and conversations. And then, you know, you go through the layers and the matrix of different functions now are involved and people are chiming in. No way. You can never do this. That's crazy to, to actually doing it. Um, that would never happen in a lot of companies that would never happen. Um, and, and I, it would never happen alone too, right? It doesn't happen from one person too. So there's many other people that, that, that kind of supported that and made that happen. But there were a lot of naysayers, to be quite honest too. There were a lot of people at a high level that were like, no way. You're not doing it. You're just not. Um, so yeah, pushing, pushing. if you really truly obviously believe in it and you, you're willing to put your neck out there to, to, to push it through, that was, that was a really good example of, of you know, making it happen um and um it was it was painful <laughs> i'm not gonna lie it was it was painful <laughs> it was really painful but almost every single job or every single initiative that I ever worked on that was painful are the ones that i remember either being something that i learned from or that i'm proud of that i mean i, I think that goes without saying in life uh, generally speaking too right so oh yeah um yeah for um, sure. I think exactly what you said. It's 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 all a learning experience because I, I agree with you. I think the hardest um, or the failures that you've done um, are the, the best uh, learning experiences you can go through. Um, I, I'd love to ask you, like, what is the, you know, out of your years at Nike and, and all the amazing work you've done, what is the most um, proud moment that you, you could say that was the most memorable um, or were there multiple? Uh, projects that you did that were awesome for you. I mean, I, it, definitely the the the, the Leverage shoot was a big one because it was two shoots too. That was the other thing. It was bi coastal and 
um, the, the complexities around that and navigating that, that was a big one, but the output more, more importantly, and how it still gives me chills when I see that in those, those images of, of, of superhero women, you know, just, just amazing. Um, and, and their portrayal and how they're portrayed authentically to, to what they wanted. So to me that, that as an output that, that, that's, that, that, that rings high or, 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 or true to me or it like resonates with me. But I think some of the like really gritty and raw moments that, for example, a shoot, you know, a, a photo shoot, like, like the leave it shoot, obviously it's going to cost a lot of money, way more money than, anyone should spend on a photo shoot. However, there's also the flip of that. There's some categories like running or even uh, kids, for example, no money. Some of the experiences on putting together something that will be on point for Nike as a brand for the consumer, as far as messaging goes that have, you know, um, a 20th of the budget, of something really big, those are some of the moments that I really like, um, or some of the moments that hold. And they're not specific, but I, there's many of them where it's three in the morning and you're in Lower East Side in Manhattan and you're rolling around in puddles with the photographer, like literally on the ground. And I'm holding his lights while he's shooting models running, models, runners running down the street. And that's it. That's it. It's just he and I. And he calls me up at two in the morning. He's like, "Hey, man, I can't sleep. I can't either. Let's go out and shoot. Let's call one of the let's call one of the runners. See if they're available." Those kind of moments um, have so much more value too to them than than the kind of the midline um, projects that you know everyone's high fiving and and um, you know gets a lot of exposure on. So, they, I mean, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's. I've been so fortunate um, to to experience a lot of those and be all over the world to do it too. Um, yeah, you got you got you got me really thinking about it now. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm kind of reminiscing here a bit. Well, while you're thinking, I'll ask you another question, and you can think about this question too. Okay. Um, so. You know, you're working on these um, pretty amazing projects. You're working with these amazing creative people. Um, at what point did you decide that you wanted to try something different? Hmm. This is going to sound, I don't want this to sound conceited. I hope it doesn't. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm setting it up, though. I'm setting it up. I sound conceited the whole time, right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I felt like I mastered my craft. A very specific, narrow craft, but I, I felt like I mastered it. I felt like I couldn't. I couldn't do anymore. I couldn't do this anymore. I could. I couldn't do rinse and repeat anymore. Like when I felt like I was starting to rinse and repeat, I can like literally could do it in my sleep. A lot of the work that I was doing, I felt like, yeah, maybe it's time to to think about something else. The other part of that was. I felt like I became, ironically, like the, the amount that Nike gave back to me and I gave to Nike at some point felt to me that I became Nike and I felt like I was losing my own personal identity a little bit 
for aspirations, right, outside of the berm. And so for me, I, I was very, again, back to the curiosity that brought me to Nike. The curiosity let, led me out of Nike, too, in the sense that I was like, what else is out there? What's going on? Like, what, what are other brands doing? Not necessarily competitor brands, because I, but but like, what are other what are other companies doing? And I felt like there was an opportunity to learn more, and that to also be not on the brand side too. I found it interesting to be on an agency side that I didn't know much about, and I felt like I wanted to learn skill sets there where I can handle clients, learn a lot more about how you know clients deal with brands and 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 uh, vice versa, and how agencies deal with them, that relationship. So there was a strong pull to do that for me. Um, it wasn't it wasn't boredom though. It's not. It would, I wouldn't say it was boredom. I think it was it was just like there's there's something else out there. I don't, and I'm not saying it's better. I didn't I didn't know if it was better. It wasn't better, by the way. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there was other things out there, <laughs> you know. And I wanted to explore that. I always knew I would go back into a brand too, though, with that in mind. I always knew yeah. that I wanted to go back into a brand. Would you Would you say as you moved on past Nike and went to um, the creative agency side, um, were there tools where you were like, man, Nike definitely you know, gave me a paveway or, or a stepping stone to really excel in this new career path or new opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, uh, on, on specifics of that, I, I don't know if I could really list them out, but generally speaking, um, for, for me personally and who I am, it gave me a lot of confidence into, believe, into pursuing things that I was passionate about that, um, that I felt were, you know, one of one of the one of the old um i don't know if it's still on the list i hope it is one of the old what is it the um the what do they call it? the 10 maxims maxims, maxims yeah. yeah sorry um was do do the right thing right which sounds really simplified but to, to me that was a big that was a big one right always like i carry that with me today um but as far as working working on the agency i under it was, I mean, simply stated, uh, being on the agency, I could understand what people are dealing with at a brand. Uh, as far as this is like the, a meeting that I have with a brand is one iota of their day. It's like their day is so, so complicated and they're running to meeting to meeting. So I could understand what's going on in their mind. And if they have a certain response to something or um, they want something done a certain way. I know the reasons behind it, generally speaking, which was really helpful because sometimes some of the other people that, who didn't work in a brand that worked for me were like, why do they say that? Why do they do that? I'm like, well, this is why. And I could, I could list it out and nine times out of 10 was right. So being more perceptive about how to service that. Um, but, and, and then the other thing is, and, and I felt like I could be an entrepreneur confidently on the outside too. Like I could truly be a, 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 an entrepreneur um, and you had to be right when you're on the outside and you're, you're chasing work, you, 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 you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to put that hat on. And I felt like Nike always um, gave me that confidence to do that and the tools to do that. Um, yeah. 
and and there was always open door too. Like I kept, you know, I kept in touch and like obviously with you guys and like others. And I, w- I would go back in every once in a while and just talk. And it, you know, it's kind of this, it's, it's a great way to kind of level set on reality versus bermality. <laughs> you know, <laughs> bermality is a little bit different. So um, that was super helpful um, to, to come and, and just level set both sides of, 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 of kind of how you work with clients and the brands. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I a little biased, obviously, in the sense of, like, once you're a part of Nike, like, we all have a little bit of swagger that, that yeah. people just realize we have. And so um, that never goes away. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, Eric, you kind of you, or sort of hinted at a little bit about um, going into an agency and then, you know, returning to a brand. Um, and we centered kind of covered, you know, like a little bit briefly, just sort of the agency experience. Um, can you talk about what it was like then getting back into a brand and, and, um, maybe just a little bit of information just kind of around like what that role has been like for you specifically? Um, and you know, any, again, any other similarities that, um, you may have had pulled from your experiences at both the agency and at at Nike that have kind of helped inform where you're, where you're at currently? Yeah. Interestingly enough, after I left Nike and worked at the agency, I, my role completely changed, you know, overnight uh, as far as what, and, and my identity, obviously too, to the point where within two months, I'm like, did I make the right decision? Or maybe even two weeks. <laughs> did I make the right decision? Um, however, what it, what it, my, my role evolved in the sense of like my identity as a Nike, this is my, this is my job description, right? Global uh, brand photography director, I think it was at the time, to um, having the 100% confidence and, and, and getting hired to do or be a creative director, which was something that I didn't feel like I could achieve at Nike because I didn't have a traditional path which was fine. And I don't even know if I wanted it to be quite honest. Right. So for, for me, the agency, I, we, we started getting work and as work came in, you know, trust was built with clients, portfolio was built, and then we're getting more and more. And it was being hired as a creative director, um, which blows my mind in a, in a certain way. But but it makes sense. And, and I even started mentoring some people at, at other brands down in the Bay Area to, 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 to help them through their career from art director to creative director as well. Um, what does that mean? Where do they want to go? What do, what do they want to do? So it was validating right away, like pretty quickly. And again, that's one of those things I owe so much to Nike, but more so to the people that had the open doors at 9 p.m. You know, Joe Stitzline and running was another one who's like constantly, um, you know, uh, advocating for what, you know, even Jesse, what you and I were doing at the time working together too. like, you know, we have those advocates internally. And so um, the path outwardly um, was easy in a way, like it felt really comfortable for me and it felt comfortable, comfortable for me to work really hard and be really passionate. Um, that's the other thing about Nike. It's like, you're going to work hard. You're going to work really hard. Are you, 
what are you going to do with working hard? Are you going to, are you going to learn from it and be smarter? Are you going to um, use those experiences to elevate, to, to, to nurture, whatever those things are? So I felt like a strong point for me was this feels comfortable. Like this is what I should be. This is, this is great. This is what I want to be doing. So um, as that developed in the agency world, my role also developed into being the managing director at the time, which was kind of an experiment in my opinion. Um, And not knowing really how to, be a managing director of an agency, to be quite honest. Um, and not really, no, but I was, I was willing to give it a shot. The same, same idea, not a hundred percent confident. That was what I should be doing. Um, but gave it a shot and realized that it's probably not something I should be doing. Um, <laughs> uh, and then moving on into, you know, and, and then th- this happened too. a shorter period of time. I started thinking about going back into a brand. Like I, I, I miss working the brand. I belong in a brand. Even I was on a photo shoot and a producer looked at me. She goes, you don't, you don't, you don't belong here. You belong in a brand. <laughs> you know, she just looked at me and I, I never forget it. It was, it, and it was a bright sunny day and we were outside and we were, we're shooting for Google, I think. And, um, producer who I really respect, she, she just looked at me, she goes, you don't belong here. You know, <laughs> you, you, you need to go back into a brand. Um, so I, I knew that, you know, I knew, I knew that I would do that eventually at some point. I just didn't know when and who with, um, so I kind of formulated this idea of what, what kind of brand do I want to work for? And, and for me, the brand, the brand part wasn't, um, necessarily like I want to work for Apple or specifically a certain type of brand. It was more, I want to work for a brand that's either struggling or a brand that really needs help, not in struggle part, but just ha- is is start is starting out, not necessarily startup, but someone who's starting out that doesn't really know how to navigate or could use help, I should say, on 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 elevating the brand and and, and generating sales and, and 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 great marketing communication. That's awesome. We with those with the massive amount of experiences that you have, we usually ask our guests, um, you know, with, with today's, I'll say kids, uh, it's crazy to say, but kids like that want to go into a brand like Nike or maybe an agency um, or, you know, just a different brand um, or even changing a, a direction of their career. What kind of advice could you give them um, being able to get into a company like Nike? Uh Getting into a company like Nike, or let's see, yeah. staying at a company like Nike. <laughs> Those are two different things. Um, for, well, getting into, well, I, I don't see. I, but I think the culture is different today than it was back then. I think that, like Jesse touched on a little bit, that, you know, people were kind of making it up as they went along. You know, back in the day, not my. It, it, I mean, it was definitely a company and a, a brand and a corporation, but I don't know how it is today, but I do know that, you know, working with some younger designers in my current role, I always say, if you want to learn something, listen, like it, it sounds kind of trite, but a lot of them will say something before they even listen. They've got it all figured out. And that's, and 
that's cool. Like you're really good. You're, you're, yeah, that's cool. But just, just listen if you really want to learn. If you don't want to learn, that's fine. Then, then go ahead and speak and do. That's fine. But it, if you're really here to learn and you want to be a creative director someday, listen. I mean, just listen and then you'll learn. Um, that's something that I, I think that people struggle with because especially in the creative fields right now, everyone's a creative director, everyone's a photographer, everyone's a uh, filmmaker. Um, yes, they are. But at, at, at a level that a brand like Nike needs, you, you definitely are going to have to bring something else to the table more than, you know, your, your, your iPhone videos or your Instagram, You're definitely, <laughs> which are great to, to, to support what you, what you do and validate who you are. But at the same time, you're going to have to bring something that no one has seen before because they've seen everything. I think that would be my best advice. Um, to a, a creative going into to, to Nike or thinking about, so you're going to have to show something or bring something that, that that hasn't been seen by either that person or that group of people at that time. Uh, this I'm um, so like with your current role, um, and then like looking back at that sort of um, crossroads that you had back in 2001, where you're like, hey, should I do this? Um, and to be in a role now, um, at, obviously at the agency and then in your current role where you're in a, um, in a creative director position, um, going back and leveraging that experience that you had when you were in college and coming out of college, um, do you feel like that your career path has taken its path for a reason? Do you feel like this is where you feel most comfortable or there can it be continue to be evolutions in what you decide you want to do from here on out? Um, I mean, obviously that's a pretty big question I'm dumping on you, but um, I'm just kind of curious, like how you're feeling about finally getting into that role and, and the opportunities that you feel are, are there for you at this point in your career. Yes. Yeah, that's a big one, Jesse. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> On a Friday night. Um, uh, uh, let's see. Well, I I actually say this to my manager, current manager. I say, as soon as I'm not adding value, let me know because I'll leave. So and that sounds kind of harsh, but if I and if I feel that way as well, then it's time for me to move on. So that's a little bit floaty, right? That's not so I've got a career plan. I'm going to be a VP by, and I'm okay with that. Um, I feel like that's served me well, but at the moment it's, it's seeking out where I can make the most impact and add value, whatever, whatever company and brand that is. If I, if I believe in that company or brand that that's, that's me for the future, for sure. Um, it could, it can be consulting. It could be freelance. It could be full time. I don't know, but for me, it's like adding value, and the value is being appreciated, right? And you're obviously being compensated for it, and you're being brought into the team to do it. Um, then I see that's where I see the evolution for me personally. Um, yeah. And right now, I I work in the I work in the cannabis space, so it's it's. People say it's the Wild West. Yeah, a little bit, but 
it's also there's some really really smart people that are that are around you that have experience running you know fortune 500 brands and companies um and so it's to me right now where i'm at is awesome because it's and that, this is what i tell my team too i want us to be pioneers for all things branding for cannabis that pioneers that word is is it rings true to me like so to me, I'm I'm in it. I'm I'm doing the next level. I'm, but I'm in the I'm in I'm in the I'm in the rocket ship, <laughs> so to speak. I'm not I'm not looking at where it needs to go. I'm in it, and I'm trying to figure it. But the rocket ship doesn't have a steering wheel necessarily, or or, or controls sometimes. So, um, does that answer your question? Yeah. So basically, you're saying you you haven't quite mastered this craft yet. No, I never will. <laughs> <laughs> never will. No way. There are people, dude. There, there are people that are so talented, way better than me, way better. Like, well, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I think that's what I was trying to say. It's like I think that there's this opportunity to continue this this constant growth within the role that you're in right now. You're learning more about your own capabilities. You're learning more about, you know, being a creative director or managing a team. It seems like the opportunities there are greater than what you were experiencing in some of your other roles. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's the thing about like you know in a new industry, a new new market like cannabis, it's new. It's all new. Like no one, and you you know you'll have ten ideas, uh, eight of them get shot down because they're not compliant. It has nothing to do with the look and the feel, right? Um, yeah. So I constantly get friends, even from Nike, are like, "Oh man, you should be doing this. You got to do this." And it's like. Yeah, done that, try that, done that, try that, done that, try that. Can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. Like literally can't do it. It's not like you can pay more money and get it done or hire like Tomasha or someone like that to help you. It's not that, right? It's like <laughs> it's it's like you you cannot do it. You literally cannot do it. It's a law. Um so that's awesome though. That's what I like. I like that challenge. I don't I I I don't I wouldn't necessarily want like okay, here's a blank check and you got I, I, that's easy. Anyone could do that. I don't want to do that. I, I like the kind of yeah. figuring out the engineering behind how you're actually going to do it too, which is part of the learnings I have from, you know, doing production for, for a short bit. Well, there are a lot of damn smart people going into that business. I will say that a lot yeah. of smart people. Um, so, you know, again, we ask a question uh, routinely to our guests. Um, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, your younger self, um, what would it be to be prepared for where you are today? I would say stop and look around. Like, really take it in. Because like I mentioned before, I've had incredible experiences in the mix of like chaos that I didn't really stop and take it in. Like having breakfast with Allison Felix in Mexico City, her first Nike shoe, she just lands and her and her brother, her, we had breakfast together. I introduced him, you know, or, you know, briefing LeBron James in a motorhome. Like those moments, like I don't, or, you know, hanging out with Kobe in his Mercedes. You know, like those moments, I didn't really take for what they were. 
what I talk about now, it gives me chills, right? But at the time, I didn't stop and like, wow, that's really cool. I was trying to be professional, obviously, as well. But um, I didn't really stop and like, wow, this is crazy. This is this is nuts what we're doing here. This is, and I'm here. My <laughs> so I would say really stop and 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 thinking about or taking it in, yeah, taking it all in at that moment and living in the moment, not thinking ten steps ahead always. Because Nike, you always thinking ten steps ahead. Yeah, I'll sure. try not to take it personally that you didn't say one of those moments was when you and I were in the um, elevator with Matthew McConaughey, but <laughs> maybe the next podcast. <laughs> Only you would remember that, though. <laughs> I remember because you had your bike and he was talking to you about your bike and you were stoked. That's right, because he was he was really good friends with Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Wasn't it? He was with his wife at the time, I think, too. Right? Yeah, we came out of the elevator, and there was just this throng of paparazzi, and they were just firing <laughs> off, and like we were right in the middle of it, and we were just like, oh, you guys don't want any part of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, you and I have a pretty deep history, man, so um, it's awesome just to like recount it with you and – I've obviously been a part of some of those moments and yeah, I mean, um, I had so much fun working with you and I think like the best times are when you and I got to work together for without a doubt. Um, and I do think that you really brought me along on your journey and gave me an opportunity to learn from you, um, and to mentor me. And so, um, for that, I'm eternally grateful and for your friendship. So, um, appreciate you and, and um, really appreciate you coming on with us and, and talking about um, your time. Agreed. Those are such kind words. Thank you, Jesse. And thank mm -hmm. you, John. Thank you for yeah. inviting me to this. This is this was fun. Um, I hope it's interesting to, to the listeners and hopefully for you guys too. Um, I'm super stoked that you guys are doing this. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I, every time I get an update when there's a new one, I'm like the first one, maybe the first one to listen to it. Always listen to your podcast. Keep it up. It's really good. I love Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you. And, and, um, I know we didn't really talk about, um, the brand specifically that you're with. Is that okay to talk about it? Yeah. We can talk about it. Okay. Um, but I mean, obviously you're doing some really incredible forward thinking, creative work with, um, with Groundworks mm -hmm. and specifically with Sarah and Electric Lettuce. Um, and like, you know, John said, there's just, you know, a lot of, of smart people doing this stuff. But I think that you guys are um, breaking incredible ground and I'm really excited to see what's next um, with the work that you guys are doing. It's, it's, it's really great. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been, it's been fun. There's, there's a lot more to come. So awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank All right. you. Take man. care. Yeah. All right, guys. Good to see you. Be well. All right. Let's all, all go right, watch man. Basket Case now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs>